Wow, so much, go- <laughs> so much going on this morning. Uh, full morning agenda. I hope you fed the car park meter, um, by the way. We'll be here till about three, is that okay? Um, the happiest of happy new years to everybody. Um, a, a lot changes, doesn't it? Stuff changes. Living things grow. Change happens. Uh, some we like, some we like less. Some things don't change. Uh, and one of the things that doesn't change is that God is very, very good. So as we turn the corner into 2019, let's just remember, God is very, very good. Very, very good. All of the time, he's so good. And if we've heard nothing, and if we've been encouraged by nothing this morning, let us remember that our God is good, and he is on the throne. He is in charge. And we're looking to him. We're gathering in his name, and he's got good things to give to us all the time, even if some of them make us feel a little bit vulnerable. But that's okay. Um, I hope it's been a good break. Most people have a Christmas break, in my opinion, and come back and they're ready for a new holiday because it's been really busy. Um, the Christmas tree lies dead outside, I noticed that. Did you see that coming in? So, um, symbolic. Um, but uh, God, God is, is uh, calling us to, to some really important things. I, I wonder if you... Uh, I'm sure your Christmas will have featured some screen time. Most people, uh, it features somewhere along the line, you kind of collapse in front of the telly and watch something. Uh, we caught up on a film. We're always about a year behind. Uh, Incredibles 2. Anybody seen Incredibles 2? No? Oh, yes. Some. Only some. Those of you who haven't, you're missing a treat. But I'm, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But just let me tell you that one of the themes of of Incredibles 2 is the battle that these incredible superheroes have to be able to actually use their superpowers for the things for which they were designed. And part of the recurring theme is that that, that when they're not allowed to do that, they're kind of prevented from doing that. They kind of sit around uh, and uh, they're bored and they're frustrated and and there's this sense of real, oh, I can't do what I've been made to do. And I'm really cautious about drawing too many parallels with things like The Incredibles um, in sermons. But um, the start of the year is a pretty good time, isn't it, to take stock. Most of us do that in various ways, whether you call them resolutions or goals or you know, your new gym membership or your, your um, stopping social media or whatever. Most of the reason that we do that is a variation on the same kind of idea. Ha, what am I doing with what I've been given? The superiors have been given these powers. They weren't being uh, fully deployed. So that's frustrating. And, and so most of us at the start of the year, we take stock, don't we? Go, so what am I doing with what I've been given? How do I make the most of that? What am I making of my life? How can it go better with the skills, with the time, with the talents, with the resources, with the abilities, with my mind, with my body, all of those things, all manner of gifts, life itself. We only get one shot at it. We only get one shot at this thing called life. So how is it going? Whatever stage I am, how is it going? And the new year, of course, is a a moment where we tend to think about some of those thoughts. And it's pretty depressing, isn't it? When we see potential that's not being released, when we see Mr. Incredible sitting gloomy in his non-super kit around the table just being a bit fed up and having to look after the kids. Not that there's anything wrong in looking after the kids, but... (laughs) And it's pretty exciting, by contrast, when we see him all powered up doing the things that superheroes are supposed to do and the family kind of going after uh, the bad guys and dispatching them. So don't tell me that there aren't some parallels. You watch Mr. Incredibles and there's, there's many more. And God is reminding us, I believe, at the start of a year that we, ha- we are all built with and designed with extraordinary potential. I mean, really amazing potential. By his grace, for big lives of more rather than little lives of less. All of us, wherever stage we're at, using our superpowers, if you like, in the way 
that we've been designed to use them, all the things and resources, all that God has given us, using all of those things to maximum potential, which in God's kingdom means rather similar things to Mr. Incredible, actually. Doing good, destroying the works of the evil one, protecting people, leading people into greater freedom, blessing the community, making a positive difference in the world. In our case, in love, and in Jesus' name, and for his glory. That's what we're here for. And sure, the distribution of gifts and superpowers and so on will, will vary across the room, and that, that's not a cause for, for jealousy, and you've got more and I've got less. It's the, the, we're, I'm responsible for me and what I've got, you're responsible for you and what you've, you've got, and we stand at the brink of a new year, and we're asking, so God, how are you leading me? How are you leading us? into maximizing this beautiful gift of life and everything that flows with it. What is the, the bigger life of more that you're, you're leading us into? So here we are, called to, to, to live like that. So we're doing these four Sundays on variations of calling and vision. Um, and I just want to pause, actually, even on that very first word, just for a moment, if I may. God does the calling. And how reassuring is that? We can sometimes, it seems to me, end up with thinking that calling is just that sort of cliche word that we use, and it means our job as a Christian. No, no, no. Think about the word calling. It means that somebody has called us. Who has? God has. Who's he called? You, me, personally, by name. It starts with him. And therefore, of course, we can be sure that he's the one who empowers us. He's the one who gives the gifts. He's the one who helps us. He's the one who equips us. This is partnership, right? And it's a very unequal partnership. We have our bit to play. And we're going to come to that in this and these succeeding Sundays. But we must start there, mustn't we? Just a reminder. Most uh, resolutions, it seems to me, at the new year, uh, and, they're, and they're all good. Don't, don't hear me against, against that. Most goals that we set, all that kind of thing. They, but they do tend to revolve around I. I must do this. I want to do that. I'm going to buy the gym membership. I'm going to give up you know, beetroot or whatever it is. And <laughs> I'd gladly give up beetroot, actually, <laughs> come to think of it. But they tend to reinforce a little bit of independence and a little bit of this is what I must do. Uh, and especially amongst us churchy folk, I, I, I really need to do this and that and the other. And sure, the call is to be all in. Andrew's reminded us, I'm going to remind us again this morning, all in, in Trinity Vision language. The call, of course, is to be all in, in the way that Mr. Incredible and the Incredible is there. They're all in, totally devoted. There's something beautifully attractive, isn't there, about folks who are all in, no compromise, fully in, fully surrendered. Absolutely, that's our part. But can I remind us that it started with a God who's all in for us? God is so good. The evidence of his goodness, he's all in for us. He, he always has been, he always will be. Supremely at the cross, we've celebrated today the, the, the specific, extraordinary event around his all inness in coming in Jesus and dying on the cross for us. Christmas, Easter, he's all in. And he calls us, Mark 3 is one of my favorite little verses at the beginning of the gospel. Jesus went up on a mountainside, he called to him. They came to him. He appointed them that they might be what? With him. If you want a summary of the life as a, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, what we're designed for, it's in that verse right there. It's responding to the call and it's being with. He didn't beg, he didn't bribe, he didn't persuade, he didn't pick us on the basis of education or qualification or character or how broad your smile is or how holy you are or not. None of it. We're those who have just said yes in faith, 
in response to a call. We didn't earn it, we didn't buy it. He's given it, he's called us. Can we just take a moment to be joyful again? He's called you. Most of us in the room have heard that voice, however we've heard it, and we've responded in some way. And sure, we now have our part to play by way of response, but he's called us. There's something beautifully and fantastically empowering about that. And he's called us to be some things, uh, not even just to do some things. So so here's a a few verses that we'll just launch off, and we'll see how far we get. The good news is that Andrew's picking this up next week, and he can can take it on. But in Matthew 5, Jesus gives us some identity. We're we're, we're identified in different ways, and we have to embrace our identity because we act out of who we are, don't we? So here's some identity, if we could have those verses, Amy. Thank you. That he gives to us and his followers. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds. Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Familiar verses probably to anybody who's been around their Bibles for a while. Salt, light. Notice, you are it's about identity. It's not first about behavior. It's not do this, do that. It's no, this is something that I'm saying, I, the God of heaven, the King of kings, I'm saying that you, my followers, you are this. You are salt. You are light. Not you will be when you get a bit better and a bit smarter and a bit more like me. No, you are now. Embrace it. And remember, by the way, he's not talking to spiritual giants at this moment. He's talking, talking to a pretty ragtag collection of, of, uh, of funny different characters. What's he saying? A bit like us, by the way. What's he saying? Five things quickly. I might get through about two and a half of them. One, be aware, first, of the desperate need for Jesus in the world. The state of the world without Jesus. The Romans, who of course occupied uh, the land at the time uh, uh, that Jesus was there, had this saying, that the saying went like this, there is nothing more useful and nothing more necessary than salt and sun. Very well-known phrase in the culture. So Jesus, as ever, is picking up things in the culture and turning them for his purposes. That would be a familiar phrase. Nothing more useful, nothing more necessary than salt and sun. What's he saying? There is nothing more useful or necessary on the entire planet than you. There is nothing more necessary on the entire planet than you, you who are my friends and followers. What an extraordinary honor that he gives to us. See, the world can get along fine without plenty of things. I mean, what's your list? Uh, Radio One um, can certainly get along pretty well without that, I imagine. Can certainly get along very well without beetroot, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Instant coffee, uh, Twitter, Strictly Come Dancing, wasps. Did somebody say traffic wardens? Um, But it cannot do, the world cannot do, Jesus says, without the group of people known as his body, Christian church. Our families, our streets, our schools, the university, media, arts, business, there is no place, there is no group, there's no activity, there's no legitimate human endeavor anywhere that can flourish without the presence of Jesus embodied in his people. That's what he's saying, (laughs) nothing short of that. 
We are as necessary for the health and well-being of this world as salt and sunshine. So the health and the well-being of Cheltenham, or wherever you live, or this region, or this nation, by the way, is directly linked, therefore, is it not, with the way that we live out this calling, what he has called us to be, who he has called us to be, and therefore what we do about it. I don't know much about thermodynamics. My dad taught physics, he taught me, but I can't remember a single thing. So, but I was reminded of this, that entropy, the, 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 some law of thermodynamics, entropy is uh, that reality that all systems tend towards disorder and, and tend towards chaos and degenerate. Just look at the back of your car, uh, yeah, the back seat of your car, or look at your fridge, or look at your desk, uh, or look at the floor of your room if you're a student or a teenage son. Left to their own devices, what happens in those places? They tend towards disorder, I've noticed. Have you noticed that? The early part of, of Paul's letter to, to the Romans, he speaks a lot about this. Uh, society, the world, living without reference to God, people choosing independence over the lordship of Christ. And three times he says, even in chapter 1, and God gave them over to the consequences of that, 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 that fallenness, that brokenness, that crashing through the, the loving boundaries that God has put in place for us to flourish as human beings. And the result is uh, degeneration. Some might say that the, the cause of our problems in the world is ignorance. It's a lack of education. If we could just improve things in this way, if we could just medicate ourselves a bit better, educate ourselves better, just produce slightly better tech, better systems of law and justice and so on. And don't get me wrong, all of those are massively godly kingdom endeavors that indeed make a difference. But actually, none of them reach the true heart of the problem, which we all know in this room that is the problem in here. It's the problem of my, my human heart when it is turned away from God. So the world is in decay. The world without God is in decay. The only people who should be surprised about that are people who don't read their Bibles. Shouldn't be lulled into a false diagnosis on the basis of of just superficial, optimistic judgment. So the world without God, says Jesus, is essentially rotting, but you are salt. The world is dark, but we are light. So are we superheroes with the powers to rescue, turn everything around? Of course not. But we have to be confident in that identity, because what does that identity mean? It means that we carry the presence of the rescuer. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within you. We carry the very presence of the rescuer, in a world that needs saving. We carry, and we're invited to partner with the God of everything in bringing all the resources of heaven which are made available to us on earth. That's the prayer that he taught us. It's huge. We could stop there and just reflect on some of those things, but we have to start there, the desperate need. We could say, we could look at the problems and go, well, why do people do that? That's not a very helpful place to start. The, best, but the better thing, John Stott put it like this, he says, when meat goes bad, we don't blame the meat. We ask, where's the salt? When a room is dark, we don't curse the darkness, we turn on the light. That's the question for us. We're the salt, we're the light. The questions are for us, not just casting blame elsewhere. Two, we need to be fully alive. The salt image is so important. The point of salt is to be salty, isn't it? And the, the passage uh, reminds us that if it's not, if it's lost somehow, it's saltiness, it's worthless, it's as, as good as dead. And that is why, isn't it, uh, all in with God is at the top of the Trinity vision. It has to be always, frankly, any 
church's vision. It's why the very first words of the first song in the ancient hymn book called the Psalms begins like this. Blessed is the man, the woman, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. We have to be alive. We have to be brought alive. We're brought alive by God, when we first give our yes to him, we need to continue to become more and more fully alive. And that means allowing his Holy Spirit, doesn't it, to flow through us and bring us life. Because this is about relationship. It's about presence, the reality of a relationship. It, the heart of relationship is presence. It's being with, it's being connected to. The currency of the, the, of the relationship is communication. That means Connecting, it means liaising, it means talking, it means listening, it means dwelling. Psalm 84, we spoke about this a little bit last year, didn't we? That beautiful psalm which talks about the dwelling, how beautiful is your dwelling place. It means means dwelling with the Lord. And we looked at a whole bunch of practices, I think there's a slide even, Amy, about a whole bunch of practices that might help us to reflect on our dwelling, what that looks like, what it means to be fully alive in this relationship. And it's only in that relationship, it's only connected with God that we can be alive. The other image from John 15, the vine, the branches, without me, you can do nothing, you are nothing. But with me, connected into the vine, dwelling in God. Just pop those practices back up, Amy, if you, if you wouldn't mind. Just a practical point as you survey your year. And it's not as if these are a list of things, if I, if I tick them off religiously, I should do more of that. If I do those things, then I'm kind of sorted. No, but these are the scaffolding, aren't they? That Without which we cannot be fully alive, without which we cannot grow closer in, in relationship with the Lord. What plans have you got for more wholehearted devotion to Jesus? That was a question in, my, in one of my notes uh, that I read this week. What plans, Tim, have you got for more wholehearted devotion to Jesus? And for you, might it involve the Lord putting his finger on one or two of those and going, okay, what does that look like in the way that it blesses uh, my relationship with him? We've got to be alive. Third, be different. Salt is different. And it, it makes a difference. So to, to make a difference, we need to be different. That's the whole point of salt, isn't it? Uh, in the, the way in which we're using it here. It's to be distinctive. It's to stand out. As followers of Jesus, we're, we're God's agents of, of change. We're the agents of transformation. That's the whole point of the image. Cheltenham is not going to be very impressed by a message of change and transformation that comes from people who are not transformed or in the business of being transformed. It's not about any counsel of perfection here, but it is about growth. Living things grow. If they're not growing, they're dying. Are we growing? Are we being transformed? Have we got stuck? Have we, have we felt we've reached enough of a plateau? We're kind of okay. We don't need to grow too much more. How's your appetite at the start of the year? Romans 12, how do we get transformed? By the renewing of our minds. We need to keep being renewed in the way that we think. Apple had it right. Uh, think different, I think was their slogan. I don't know if it still is. I always felt at the time that it's a godly way of uh, thinking about our, our own walk with God. The Bible says it's by renewing the, allowing God, the Spirit of God, to renew our minds, renew our attitudes, renew our values, renew our beliefs, renew this, keep on renewing those things that lie at the core of us that then get expressed on the outside. I reckon the, the, the enemy's strategy is not to persecute us into doing something different, it's just, just to seduce us, just to con- for us to conform, uh, not to be different actually, but to be the same. And you could fill in the blanks on that. But Martin Luther King, he, he spoke about this. 
how he was pleased to live uncomfortably in his culture. I wonder if that's true of you. Do you live uncomfortably in Cheltenham, a place of great comfort in so many ways? He said, I'm proud to be maladjusted to so many things in our social system, and I call on you to be maladjusted too. Would we dare to live as maladjusted people in the right way? Maladjusted. Allow the discomfort, the disconnect between the things of our culture that clash with the kingdom culture and to be alert to those things and for them to stir us to remain uncomfortable. Why? Because we're called to be different. We're called to march to the beat of a very different drum. By the way, being different, being more like Jesus, let's just get over the fact that's not just about character, isn't it? Very easy to go, yeah, my goal is to be more like Jesus, so I need to be more kind, more generous, more loving, and all of those things. Absolutely right, of course we do, and that needs to be part of who we're becoming. But to be like Jesus is also to do the things that he did. It's also to share some of the attitudes that he has. It's also to be somebody who is prayerfully dependent on the Father all of the time. It's also to be somebody who exercises courageous and radical faith. It's also to be somebody who calls on the Holy Spirit, is full of the Holy Spirit as Jesus was because he acted out of the fullness of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit and whose life reflected that supernaturally every day. It's to walk in miracles. It's to see those things as normal. It's to see impossibility as merely something that God and I haven't got over, got over yet, but we have the resource to do so. That is to become more like Jesus, not just a bit kinder. Amen. I'm hearing some amens. So, so being different looks like that. Again, not to you know, pat ourselves on the back. and you know, it, It's to applaud God and to go, God, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing that you would invite us into something like that. We need to be different together. Um, so, so that last one will be all, all about all in with God <laughs> uh, in terms of matching it with, with our Trinity vision. We need to be all in with each other. That's about being together. Salt, I've noticed, have you noticed? But one grain tends not to be terribly effective by itself. It tends to require a little bit of, of solidarity and togetherness. And, and Andrew's actually going to explore a little bit more what the collective nature of that is as us, us as a bunch of people. Uh, next week. But we can be so quick to read our Bibles and interpret all of it as me, all of it as I. Most of the yous in the New Testament, you know this, they're they're, they're plural, they're they're together. We do this and we need each other. So what was the hallmark, the defining hallmark of the early Christian communities? What was it that people noticed most of all, according to all the, the commentaries going on at the time? It was their love for one another. It was the way that they devoted themselves to each other, Acts 2.42, that rich word called fellowship. It was the way that they sacrificed on behalf of each other. It's the way they cared for each other. It's the way that they did stuff together. It's the way that they, that they drew the best out of each other and encouraged, and all of those one another's through the New Testament, do a, do a word study around those. Again, we've heard many uh, different ways of, uh, of encouraging ourselves in that, in, in that way, but let's just recognize all in with each other means being different, not just me, but us together collectively, the people of God. It also means serving one another. Again, on, on a particular, can I just commend the prayer ministry evening coming up on the, on, on the 21st and the 28th? Andrew did a great job of explaining why that matters so much. But if we're picking ways in which we might serve and love one another within the fellowship, I can't think of a single better way than the way that we pray for one another and pray in tune with the way that God would have us grow into that. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to see change. All of us need to grow in that, all of us. 
And so I just commend that. If that's the one way that you choose to serve the body this year, well, that's not a bad way. There'll be plenty of other opportunities. I think it's about 30% of the church body serves on a, on, a, on a team or in a ministry. Well, that leaves plenty of scope, doesn't it, uh, for those who haven't expressed their loving yet in that particular way. There are plenty of other ways. But prayer ministry might be one. Trinity isn't an it over there, is it? It's not a you. It's not a they. It's a we. Be involved. It's the last one. I'll just take two minutes. Uh, if salt is not involved, it's not much use. Fairly straightforward point. But it's the core of it, isn't it? It's the core of Jesus' teaching here. That's what he was mainly getting at. Salt only makes a difference when it's actually permeating the thing that it needs to influence. Reminder, the world without Jesus is rotting and it needs us desperately. So being stuck away on a shelf or in our Christian cliques or just slightly hiding behind the barricades, talking a really good game but not acting out a very good game in the world won't do. It won't do. I speak to myself uh, uh, before anybody else. There's a beautiful book years ago, uh, Rebecca Manley Pippert, evangelist, she wrote Out of the Salt Shaker. Absolutely. Some of us, including me, we need shaking out of our, our salt shakers and sprinkling profoundly into uh, the places where God has planted us. Again, that's not a, don't, don't hear that as a word of condemnation in, in any way, but it's true, isn't it? If we're salt, then we only take effect if we're embedded uh, in the world. So how can I best use what God has given me? What is God saying to you about that individually, together? My time, my resources, and in the end, not for me. Not to make me a bit fitter or a bit healthier or a bit happier. Although there's nothing wrong with those things. I hope that our resolutions, our, our New Year's thinking goes rather beyond that. In the end, for the world. In the end, all in, yes, with God, primarily. It starts there. Yes, all in with each other. We need each other profoundly. We need our holy huddles, our gatherings like this. But all of it, ultimately, is for the world, for those who don't yet know him. The world is desperate for us to show up, to be involved, to be salt that permeates. Even a little goes a long way. Some of us aren't feeling gr very great this morning. Some aren't feeling that we're called to a big life of significance. Some of us aren't resonating with a superhero, Mr. Incredible, with his superpowers, called to do X, Y, and Z. But actually, we are called to live big lives, friends. We are. We are called to, big, to, to, be, to live significant lives. It's just that those lives might look different in God's economy. It may be doing... As Mother Teresa said, uh, a whole load of small things, but with great love. That would add up to a life of great significance. It may well be praying in the closet where people just don't see you. It's not about people, people seeing what we do, but it is about following the Jesus the King and allowing him to lead us into big lives of more and not small lives of less. So I ask all in with God, with each other, for the world. Are those question marks still for us? Do you put an exclamation mark at the end of those? And, and what is God saying to you and saying to us about next steps? Let's stand together. Conscious that, uh, again, many words happen. <clears throat> but his words are really, really important. So whatever you sense the Holy Spirit underlining as his words to you, our responsibility now is to do something with that. And you're responsible for you, and I'm responsible for me.
So let's just have a moment, take a moment. You might want to close your eyes, it helps to block out a few things. We've already acknowledged that the Lord of heaven and earth is here. He is pleased to be here. I love what Will said. He enjoys our company. Some of us need to hear that in a fresh way. He really, really enjoys you. And not because of what you do or bring or your value in the world's eyes, but just because he does. Let's start there. He's called you by name, personally. Not just the person next to you and behind you, but you. He's called you. Chosen. So, Father, we're thanking you. We thank you for that most uh, life-changing, destiny-changing reality. That you're not distant, that you're present. That you're not silent, you speak. That you're not angry, you're loving. That you're not a, an impersonal force, you're a Father who calls and chooses and affirms and encourages and spurs on. And here we stand, Lord, at the beginning of a, a new season of time. And we're saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. There's so much that is challenging. There's so much that is vulnerable. There's so much that is dark. There's actually so much that is rotten and rotting in our world. But thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that in you resides the answer to those things. And you've chosen to reveal it, Lord. You've chosen to reveal yourself supremely. And then in you, all that is needed. You say that we lack nothing. We are so grateful, God. So in Jesus' name, we just banish any fear or any counter voices to that reality, anything of the enemy that would just make us feel insignificant and unvalued and helpless. Lord, we are not helpless because you're the helper. We are not lost because you've found us. We are not without resources because you've opened heaven's floodgates and said, you lack nothing. All resources of heaven are made available to you. You're the giver of great gifts. God, thank you. Thank you that you give to us all that is necessary. Yes, in a hard life. Yes, in a tough environment. And God, we want to be those who embrace it. We hold out our hands to receive the more that you want to give us. We thank you for what you've already given. And we're asking this morning, God, that you'd help us to make the most of it. My energy, my time, my gift, my unique shape, where you've uniquely planted me and us. And Lord, to be, to be salt, to be hope bringers, life givers. Agents of change and proclaimers of rescue. So come Holy Spirit of God, reaffirm these things, cement these truths in our hearts, help us to stand again on solid ground this morning, to have a spring in our step. Because we don't look inwards to ourselves, but upwards to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And give us courage. Would you give us courage? We all need courage. Would you sharpen our sense of personal vision? Lead us into the, the more. Lead us in next steps. 
smaller ones, bigger ones. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. As always, every Sunday is like this. I would want to say this Sunday as much as any beautiful moment to come and take our stand again. To embrace, I think, first of all, that identity. You may just want to come and take a stand at the front here just to embrace that identity. Go, yes, that's me. I embrace who God says I am. That might be the most important thing that we could do this morning. Why don't you do that if you'd like to? Just come. By coming, you'll be saying, yes, that's me. I embrace that. I don't feel like that always. I don't feel like I'm salt. I don't feel like I'm a superhero. I don't feel like I'm gifted. I don't feel a lot of these things, or maybe you do, or in part, but you're just embracing the reality that this is who God says that you are. You're going, thank you, God. I embrace that. Just come. If that's you, just come. Take your stand again. Be thankful. Wow, God has called us to this. Maybe there's some more particular ways that God has been moving and speaking to you and hear no further invitation from me than just just come. This might be your act of courage at the start of the year. You may not be somebody who's stepped out before. You've been here for months or even years and actually you, you, you've, not, you've seen people come and you've thought, well, I don't need to do that. No, you don't need to do that. There's nothing special. But I am encouraging you. Physical movement is often a, an indicator of, of spiritual desire. If we can't be a little bit bold in here, we're certainly not going to be a lot bold out there. So do come. If you, if you know how God's been speaking to you, come. Members of the Trinity family, please you don't need to wait till the training on the 21st to come and pray for some people. Just come and pray, please. Come and mm-hmm.